What is going on, New York Giant fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Hit that like button for me. Subscribe to all the good stuff. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops where a video drops. Appreciate you all coming back. Also, share this out. Five stars on Apple Podcast. Once again, folks, we thank you for getting us to the 1.7K mark. We're about halfway to the 1.8K mark, which we may or may not hit at the end of the year but we thank you guys and uh well we also hope you guys had a merry christmas whatever else you celebrate because there's a lot of things out there that i'm not knowledgeable of in terms of what people celebrate but happy holidays folks hope you had a good christmas and all that so the new york giants lost another game to the philadelphia eagles now this one was closer than anticipated but still a lot of flaws in this game, which points to, well, you know, the Giants are a 5-10 and 10 football team. And, yeah, both sides of the ball showed that. I think both sides of the ball were somewhat gifted in a couple of different aspects, right? That um, the Eagles didn't play up to par. They put up 33 points, but they didn't play up to par at all. Because there was a couple of missed throws by Jalen Hurts, a couple of missed plays on defense. It feels like the Eagles should have blown us out, and they didn't. And that's where you as a team, you as a fan, go out there and be like, they gave us a shit ton of missed, shit ton of opportunities, and we missed a lot of them. That's how you feel after this game. You, you, you feel the moral victory of, okay, they didn't blow us out, but at the same time, you feel, eh, you know, uh, we should have won this game. We really should have, but... Um, like, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. We'll go into team stats, offense, defense, special teams, and then some stuff at the end regarding the quarterback position. So team stats. Uh, actually, you know what? No, let's go to the regular stats like we always do. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, who came in the second half, 7-16, 133 yards, a touchdown at a pick. 9-16, Tommy DeVito, 55 yards, 24-38, Jalen Hurts, 301 yards, one touchdown and a 9-T. The rushing game. Saquon Barkley, 23 carries, 80 yards, and a touchdown, 3.5 yards per carry. Terod Taylor had two carries for 21 yards, one 15-yard run. Uh, Tommy DeVito had a carry for five yards. Philadelphia rushing game, DeAndre Swift, 20 carries, 92 yards, and a touchdown, 4.6 yards per carry. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell, six carries, 41 yards, 6.8 yards per carry. Uh, Jalen Hurts, eight carries, 34 yards, 4.3 yards per carry, and a touchdown. Uh, Boston Scott out, had uh, one carry for three yards. Surprisingly, he didn't get his red zone opportunity to score a touchdown on us. So the streak is over. I think it was like 11 games or something or whatever. Um, it goes back to like 2019. Maybe 2018. Who knows? Uh, the New York receiving game. Darius Slayton was the leader in that one. Three receptions, 90 yards, and a touchdown. Had a long 69-yard pass play. Daniel Bellinger, four catches, 43 yards. And Darren Waller, two catches, 32 yards. Wondell Robinson had three catches for 16 yards. And then the running backs got action as well. Uh, receiving game for the Philadelphia Eagles, six receptions, 80 yards for A.J. Brown. Devonta Smith, four catches, 79 yards, one touchdown. Dallas Goddard, probably the most impactful the game as an Eagle this year. Seven catches, 71 yards. Kenneth Gainwell, three catches, 38 yards. And a couple more from Quill Jones, Grant Calcaterra, and Britton Covey. You look at the fumbles, Gunnar Olszewski fumbled but recovered his. Boston Scott fumbled and lost his. Isaiah Simmons recovered that one. 
Jalen Hurts recovered his own fumble. Britton Kobe recovered his own fumble against Gainwell. I guess one of them went out of bounds in terms of that. Um, you look at the Giants' defensive side of the football. Bobby Okereke and Xavier McKinney led the pack in tackles with 10. McKinney had half a sack. Jihad Ward had a half a sack. Tackles for loss. You had one from Jihad Ward, one from Dane Belton, one from Ashawn Robinson, and you also had one from Aziz Ojolari. Your pass deflections came from Bobby Okereke, almost an interception. Um, you have one from Isaiah Simmons, almost an interception. And you also have two from Adoree Jackson and one from Ashawn Robinson, that, which makes up five tackles for loss. And then QB hits one from McKinney, one from Jihad Ward, and one from Kayvon Thibodeau. So three quarterback hits, one sack, five pass deflections, six tackles for a loss. You look at Philadelphia defensively, Shaquille Leonard, Shaq Leonard, seven tackles, a sack, two tackles for a loss, and a quarterback hit. Then you move down the order. They only had one sack, just like we did. Uh, Hassan Riddick, one tackle for a loss. Obviously, aforementioned Leonard had two. Then you also have Milton Williams, who had a tackle for a loss. That's four tackles for a loss. Two pass deflections, one by Ringo, one by Bradbury. And then six quarterback hits, four by Hassan Riddick, one by Fletcher Cox, and one by Shaquille Leonard. The interceptions, one for Kaylee Ringo. That was in the end zone at the end of the game. And a Dory Jackson, one interception, 76 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, that was the pick six, of course. Team stats split in half on first downs. The Eagles at 28-14 for the New York Giants. 16 passing first downs for the Eagles, 7 for the Giants. 12 rushing first downs for the Eagles and 6 for the Giants. One first down from penalties for the New York football Giants. The Eagles were pretty solid on third, 8 of 15. The Giants were not for 14. Giants were 3 for 5 on fourth. The Eagles were 2 for 2. Total plays, 59 for the Giants, 74 for the Eagles, 292 total yards for the Giants, 465 for the Eagles, 11 total drives for the Eagles, 10 for the Giants, 4.9 yards per play for the Giants, and 6.3 for the Eagles. Um, then you look at the red zone, 1 for 1, the Giants, 2 for 5, the Eagles. They had 9 penalties for 65 yards. That's where I talked about the mistakes coming in. And three penalties for 13 yards for the New York football Giants. They had two turnovers, one fumble, one interception. The Giants had an interception thrown. And the Eagles, 34-38 on the time possession mark, 25-22 for the New York football Giants. So let's talk about the offense, and let's start with the quarterback. Tommy DeVito didn't look good in this game. I thought he was a little mentally off. I thought some of his decisions were not good. And it's not like, okay, he threw into, like, bad coverage or something like that. Just not taking the opportunities, man. Not taking the opportunities was the name of the game for the Giants, especially at the quarterback position. There were running lanes to be taken, right? You know, last week, you could argue he did what he had to do. You know, maybe it was a solid game from him, all these other different things. I think this was honestly one of his worst games he's put on tape as a quarterback other than the Dallas game because – you just didn't see the aggressiveness from Tommy DeVito. You didn't. There were plays where he would run out of the pocket, run towards the sideline instead of running forward. And it's not like, you know, he had defenders all over him in front of him. No, that was not the case. He had running lanes in front of him. Like, at least get the two, three yards and get out of bounds and live on the next down. No, he threw it away or he threw it to the sideline and all that other stuff. So that was one of my biggest issues. Like, running towards the sideline, not taking the running lanes. I mean... 
unless Brian Dable said, you know, take less hits running, then I don't really understand that philosophy of just not being aggressive, especially against a rival. And missing throws. I thought there were a couple plays where he did miss throws. Like Slayton was open, I think, particularly on one. Wandale may have been open on another. It's just there wasn't a, a shit ton of pressure from the Eagles' side consistently to say, okay, well, the quarterback was impacted by the pressure. Tommy DeVito only got sacked once. Uh, the quarterback was hit six times. That's not a ton compared to what we usually see with the New York football giants. So Tommy DeVito, you know, yeah, was there a ton of offensive room for guys to make plays? No, but at the same time, Tommy DeVito did nothing to help that, which obviously is a bigger picture conversation for later. Gerard Taylor comes in the second half. Now, was it, oh my God, you know, he's 100 miles better than Tommy DeVito? No, it wasn't that, but it was clearly what we were thinking all along. And what I was thinking. Like, I may have been with the hype train and the Italian stuff and all that other stuff, but at the same time, I never wavered on my opinion that said Tyrod Taylor is a better quarterback than Tommy DeVito. I never wavered on that because it's true. We know why the New York football giants fell in love with Tommy DeVito and decided to start him the rest of the way, which we'll, again, talk about at the end. But Tyrod Taylor, the offense looked confident when he came in. Now, he came in on the one drive where... Isaiah Simmons recovered the fumble that was forced by the Eagles themselves. And then obviously it was a couple of runs by Saquon Barkley. Terod Taylor didn't have to do much of anything. But the offense just looked a little bit more stable. And the Giants were moving down the field a little bit more. Now, fourth downs, we could talk about that. Play calls, we could talk about that. But, I mean, you know, the offense just looked a little bit more stable and looked a little bit more confident with Terod Taylor as the quarterback rather than Tommy DeVito. And this, again, wasn't the DeVito you weren't seeing against Green Bay. It wasn't the DeVito you may have seen a little bit against the Patriots. You're really going off the defense for some of these other games. But, man, oh, man, it's just like not a lot, not a lot of aggressive, not a lot of aggressiveness from Tommy DeVito. And I want to talk about the play calls because they were questionable. Now, the offensive line, talk about them for like 20 seconds or a little bit more. They were not good in run blocking. Like there were certain plays where Saquon got five car- five yards on a carry or seven yards on a carry, and then there would be like one or two yards per carry for Saquon on some runs. And his longest was twelve. So you take twelve away from eighty, that's what sixty eight. Divide that by twenty two, and you're down to three yards per carry. So one run really makes a difference. It's not like consistent runs of twelve yards. It wasn't. Trust me. You watch the game, you know. And I get it, the Eagles are a good run defense, but at the same time, this is kind of where we talk about trench warfare with our rivals, not having the dogs on the offensive line, not having the dogs on the defensive line. That's what it really comes down to. Um, and pass blocking, it wasn't bad. I mean, six quarterback hits, I know I shouldn't be bragging about that, but that's kind of a moral victory compared to some of these other games we've seen against Dallas and you know, Tommy DeVito taking like seven sacks against this team or whatnot. They only gave up one sack, and that was by the linebacker. That wasn't even by a defensive end. Like some of these other guys that we see, um, uh, let's see, who else? Uh, Jalen Carter didn't touch the quarterback. Hassan Reich touched the quarterback four times, quarterback hits. Uh, Josh Sweat didn't touch the quarterback. 
Some of these other guys didn't touch the quarterback. So that's a win-win situation for you. You know, you lock down Josh Sweat. Hassan Reddick gets four quarterback hits, but he never touches the quarterback while he has the football. So there's that. But I want to talk about the play calling because I thought that was a big one. Um, I thought there were maybe like one or two bad drops by the Giants. Uh, Bellinger had a drop. I know Waller had a drop. I know Taylor had an underthrow that was a fucking killer. It ended up costing us, but uh, that will be saved for later. But I thought the Giants came in playing very scared. Right. You know, they kind of didn't want to lose. It played very conservative. The fourth down play calls were the most questionable in this game. And I thought they may have been the difference in this game, you take a look, right? Now, the refs were impactful, right? You know, you do have what could have been the pass interference at the end, the JMS false start, the Bobby O'Karake stuff at the end of the half, which kind of gifted them three points. You know, there's all of those different things. But at the same time, the Giants had their own missed opportunities to where you can't say, oh, the officials, you know, they took the game from us. Can't say that. The first fourth down. Now, call it hindsight, 2020, all these other different things. The Giants had two fourth down conversions on that drive. And what did they do? They ran it up with Saquon Barkley, first down. Okay. So a third time, a third time they do that. And the whole entire stadium, people watching around the country, and let alone... The Philadelphia Eagles defense knew that was coming. And guess what? They they feasted on it. Fourth down, turn it over. Eagles get a first down. That's that. Which, the play call's stupid. The play call's stupid. I don't care how anyone says it, this, that, and the other thing, these things, whatever. Oh, you don't know as much as the coach. Third time, it's not like the Giants have this beat and ground and pound game to where they could beat you with the run 100% of the time. They're not the Eagles. They're not a grounded pound team effectively because their offensive line does not know how to run block amongst other things. You know, Saquon may miss a hole here and there and around the square, but like, dude, I mean, this is not some, you know, 49ers team to where they'll pound it and your defense will get consistently tired. Like those two conversions worked. like the first one, that worked. The second one, I'm surprised that worked because the Eagles played like they knew was coming and Barkley just got through. The third time obviously failed. So why don't you just go to something go to something else? Like don't do something stupid. And on that particular play, I believe it was Darius Slayton who was blocking up Hassan Riddick. Like, is that a play you actually practice? A wide receiver blocking up a defensive end make it make sense make it make sense because that doesn't make sense but you're gonna do that if you did that on first down or second down fine not on a critical down like third or fourth especially when you know it's a game of inches especially in this game where the eagles gave you 100 opportunities then you call upon Tyrod Taylor later in the third, or was it the fourth? I think it may have been the fourth, actually. Fourth down and short. The Giants are in another situation. They don't run the football. Now, this one you could play hindsight 2020 a little bit and say they should have run the football because they had success all that drive. And Tyrod Taylor throws whatever the hell 
concept it was to Wandale Robinson. Thought it looked like a pick play, and it was just not a good throw. It wasn't good execution at all, which is like, if you're going to throw on fourth, and I don't know if even Tyrod Taylor rolled out on that play. If you're going to throw it on fourth, at least make it something a little bit more creative. Because defenses know sometimes what plays are coming. It's very, very, I would say, out there that a lot of teams run pick plays on fourth. That's what I I believe the Giants were trying to run. And the Giants don't ever do pick plays, which is number one. Number two, they never execute them properly. So it's like hindsight 2020. Those play calls weren't good. And again, I thought they were momentum impactors. And it was a game of inches. And you look back at this game and say, missed opportunities. Missed opportunities because those play calls were garbage. The execution was garbage, no doubt. But the play call was garbage in the beginning. So before we get to anything else and we go to the defense, we'll talk about SeatGeek, who sponsors us. We thank him for it. Uh, SeatGeek is your go-to ticket vendor. Concert tickets, tailgate tickets, game tickets, $20 off. SeatGeek with the promo code Big Blue in the Bronx. The name of the podcast, name of the show, nothing abbreviated, nothing spaced out, just Big Blue in the Bronx over there. So defensively, right? There are some good things on offense. Um, and obviously you have your mistakes on offense, but defensively, I feel like they were gifted a little bit on a lot of different things. I feel like they were gifted, right? As I predicted, the Giants sat back with this zone mentality of, okay, we're going to play our guys back. We're not going to play press man. And it had its works, and it didn't at the same time because zones were open. Dallas Goddard was open a lot of the time. A.J. Brown got his bread. Devonta Smith got his bread. And a lot of guys were not the beneficiaries of the major zone game plan. And... There was not much pressure on the quarterback with the front four, front five. But you had the blitzes in there. It's a drastic difference. You look at Jordan Renan's tweet. The Giants blitzed an amount of 68% on Jalen Hurts' dropbacks, 6.8 yards per attempt, a pick six, and a sack when blitzed. Made a hell of a difference. To compare that to when he wasn't blitzed, 10.7 yards per attempt, One touchdown and zero sacks. Come to think of it, it really pissed me off when the Giants did this twice on third down and it didn't work. That stand-up, I don't know what Fox called it, that stand-up linebacker crap. Where they had, I believe it was Simmons stand-up, they had Thibodeau stand-up, they had Ojolari stand-up, and I think they had Okereke stand-up. But I know Tibbs was in there, I know maybe Jihad Ward was in there, but they did that against the Ravens last year and it worked. This year, these two situations, it didn't work. It allowed solid plays for the Eagles to move the chains on third down. That's where I'm like, Wink, what do you do? You cannot get cute when you're playing a team like the Eagles. You want to play a team like the Panthers and do that? Fine. Go ahead. But you're playing a team like the Eagles, your rivals who have beaten you down for the past how many years? Just not there. Just not a good game plan or at least not a good play call in those two separate situations. But it kind of just goes to the fact and goes to the example, right? Uh, That the Giants have trench warfare issues. We could talk about the quarterback position, which I, you know, I'm a staunch supporter of drafting a quarterback in this draft. But 
if you're not winning in the trenches against the Dallas Cowboys, or the Eagles, you're not winning the division. You're not a serious contender. You're not. You know, it's a gift that the commanders were semi-competitive with the Eagles because I think the Eagles are a worse team than they were last year. The Cowboys is a different story because they got their asses beat by them. But, uh, you know, as far as that goes and all that good stuff, the Giants lack trench warfare. Ojolari was non-existent other than a tackle for a loss. Um, Dexter Lawrence had a solid game. Kayvon Thibodeau wasn't there as much. So you kind of want an extra edge rusher, an extra DT. Again, trench warfare. Um, I want to talk about the secondary before we talk about something else. Secondary was not good. Other than Deontay Banks, secondary was not good. Um, obviously, Banks got injured, didn't come back. Adoree Jackson had a mixed game because he gave up a few big plays. The one where he totally got turned around after pressing contact on A.J. Brown pissed me off because he didn't turn around the right way. You're supposed to, you know, move with your hips and, you know, just side-to-side motion rather than turn all the way around because it's better for mobility. He didn't do that. He turned all the way around and gave up A.J. Brown's, or at least one of his biggest receptions of the game. And he also couldn't bring down A.J. Brown on a third-down attempt in the red zone, which, you know, kind of goes to tell you that missed tackles were a pretty big thing in this game. We'll talk about that in just a second. But I'll give him credit for the pick six and a pass breakup. But other than that, just not a good game from Adoree Jackson. And he's kind of working his way out. And I know he said he wants to come back. And, of course, the Giants will be the evaluators of that. But, uh, no, not a good game from Adoree Jackson at all. You go to the slot corner, which I believe is – Going to be one of the lesser issues of this team, my personal opinion. Um, but it's still a big issue because you have two guys who can't do one of each. You have Donnie Holmes, who they started playing later in the game. He's not good at man coverage. He's not as physically skilled, in my opinion, as Cordell Flott. But he's got the IQ. But his own coverage. Go to court at flat. Athletically gifted. Less penalties. Can't play in zone coverage, but can play main coverage. And to me, sometimes you would rather take the guy who could play in zone coverage because they have an understanding for coverages. Not that man isn't skilled, but zone coverage takes a little bit more of IQ and understanding. Cordell Flott had multiple plays this game and also last week to where he could not understand zone coverage, also against Green Bay. This is a recurring issue with Cordell Flott, and he plays good man-to-man. And I'm a guy that you know loves man-to-man coverage, loves blitzing, right? But at points in the game, at points on your defense, you have to understand and you have to play zone coverage. At points in the game, you can't just stick to man-to-man 100% because the defense will know your game plan. You have to change it up a little bit. And if Cordell Flock can't understand the simple concepts of zone or even just the other concepts that Wink Martindale is throwing out there, you're looking at a new slot corner next year. Because Darnell Holmes is a free agent. And it's not even whether, you know, Flock can play on the outside or in the slot. He plays well in both positions when it's man coverage. When it's zone coverage, he cannot play. So you either you, you either look you either look at Nick McLeod. Or you bring in another guy via free agency, which might be your move. Might be your move. 
Um, and then I thought the tackling was piss poor. Micah McFadden had another bad game. You know, again, you really don't like to see that, especially against a rival. You, you know, the guys in the front office and the coaching staff, they look at, um, you know, they look at these things. And I'm not going to say they're going to replace Micah McFadden or all these different things. No, Micah McFadden is a good linebacker. He's a good linebacker, too. But for other players, it matters if you show up in the big games against your rivals or not. That's what the Giants front office, the Giants coaching staff looks at. And that's why I'm talking about trench warfare. Because the offensive line guys that didn't show up, they will be out of here next year. Same thing with the defensive line guys. Um, but that's as far as the defense goes. Sit back his own mentality. A couple of bad play calls. Poor game from the secondary. Poor game in terms of tackling. Bobby had a decent game. So now let's move into special teams. Special teams, obviously, you know, good and bad. Good and bad, right? Um, Jamie Gillen, not good. Now, not his fault either, but not good. And sometimes you will say, okay, if they if they go on the field they play, then they're accountable for their actions. Jamie Gillen, obviously, to my knowledge, didn't speak to the media after the game. But not like he was super obligated to. Well, he kind of was obligated to, but I guess nobody came to him. Gillen wasn't great this game because of his groin injury. But Thomas McGahee said he was fine. Let's look at his punts during the day. 41 yards, I believe, was his longest punt. So you got that, right? His next punt was 31 yards to the Eagles 36 from the NYG 33. That's not good. You look at the... Next punt, 37 yard, 37 yard line, 41 yards to the 22 yard line of the Eagles. Not terrible. You would like it a little bit more in depth. The next punt, Jamie Gillen punts 44 yards to Philadelphia six. That's the best punt of the day, and that's the last punt. So he wasn't too effective. He wasn't too effective. Now did the Giants lose the game because of it? No, but those little things you need to sure up on. If he is injured, first of all, I get it. Right, The Giants may have this mentality of just push it through the next three games and whatever. But it could be a situation where they push Jamie Gillen too hard with his groin injury that, boom, they bring in a guy like Joseph Charlton or Matt Hack or any of these other guys who are willing to get a punting job. Maybe even a Matt Iariza if they want. I'm not bringing up that as, oh, my God, we're going to get Matt Iariza. I'm just bringing it up as a possible guy they bring in. You know? um, but you, this guy has been very good for the Giants this year. I was very down on him bringing him back. Jamie Gillen has been good for the Giants this year. But Thomas McGahee, to say he's fine, is completely false. And I think that's an area that Brian Dable needs to take over. Is to say, hey, listen, you know, I get it, Thomas. You want him to punt and all that stuff, but we got to bring in a guy in. we got to bring a guy in. Um, you know, that goes to, honestly, the theme of the Giants mishandling injuries this year. Daniel Jones, Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal, Graham Gano. It's a recurring theme, and you really don't want to see that. So I wouldn't be surprised, ladies and gents, if Jamie Gillen goes on a season-ending IR this week or the Giants signed up under the practice squad and they make Gillen inactive. So there's that. Let's talk about the final thing. Let's talk about the final thing. I talked about this on Twitter, and let's get into it. This game at quarterback was a hindsight look for a lot of people 
It was a wake-up call for others, however you want to talk about it. So, Tommy DeVito came in. Obviously, when he came in, Tyrod got hurt with the ribs injury, went on IR. DeVito starts the next few games going against teams like the Patriots, the Raiders as the backup to Daniel Jones, the Cowboys, the Commanders, right? He, he gets that four-game stretch. I mean, the Raiders was really not starting, but he does play in the game. He wins two games before the bye. Everybody's feeling decent. Everybody's feeling a little bit more than decent, actually. Everybody's feeling great. They're feeling the Tommy Cutlets thing, and it didn't really hit its peak yet, right? Didn't really hit its peak yet. The bye week comes, and Brian Dable says Tommy DeVito gives us the best chance to win despite Tyrod Taylor being healthy. Now, Taylor did express some displeasure, but he's like, you know, I'm for the team. Again, I'm paraphrasing. But Tyrod was being a very good sport about it. And you go against the Packers, that's kind of where DeVito mania kind of peaked. And that's where it was the biggest and will ever be the biggest. The tailgate, the parking lot, Sean Stellato looking like fucking Junior Soprano, all these other different things. People coming with the Tommy Cutlitz shirts. And you go into the next game, you kind of learn that Tommy DeVito can't do magical things. Like, he can't put magical things on a shitty situation. In some cases, he even falters under pressure. And he doesn't take the opportunities and plays scared. My personal observation. You go into this game, and that's kind of a reminder, a bigger reminder, rather than what you saw against the Saints. And a little bit of what you saw in some of these other games. So then they put in Tyrod in the second half, and he plays better, which you know in that situation that if he plays better, you kind of have to kick yourself. If you're Brian Dable, you have to kick yourself, and you have to think the media is going to come after me, the fans might come after me, all these other different cats will question my decision to start DeVito over Tyrod. What was the reason, you ask? And I said this, you know, recapping the Packers game. What was the reason they started the veto over Tyrod? It was nothing, nothing about him being the best chance to win because that's just completely false. Tyrod was the best chance to win. It was the fact that he was caving to the fan base and caving to the New York, New Jersey area about the Italian stigma, about the Italian culture thing, about the Italian trend. Tommy Cutlets. It was great for a few weeks, but it didn't really mean anything in the future. Because people will come out here and say, you know what? The Giants made the right decision. Yeah, they made the right decision to go with Tommy DeVito over Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor is not going to be here next year. Well, that's true. Tyrod Taylor is probably not going to be here next year. Um, Tommy DeVito, you know, obviously won two games. He will be here next year as at least a backup. But what I'll say is this. I'll say this. You want to compare trends and all that stuff? Go ahead. But is this DeVito Tommy Cutlets thing really going to ride into next year? Was it ever? Like, seriously. Let's just say Tommy DeVito took the Giants to the playoffs. And it was on the back of the defense. Are you really considering 
putting in Tommy DeVito as the starter? Are you actually considering that? Or are you just riding the hot hand just to have a feel-good situation? That's, in my opinion, what the Giants did. And again, I said DeVito personally because I wanted to root for losses. DeVito over Tyrod. I was into the Italian stuff a little bit. I thought it was cool. But at the same time, you have to look at it from a football standpoint and not a fan standpoint. And the other thing I'll get into is this. Personally, me. I know a lot of people are looking at this this way. And if you want to, go ahead. If you don't want to, you know, obviously just listen until the end of the show and listen to a contrasting opinion. Now, DeVito probably did not give you the best chance to win in some of these games, right? You know, they could have went with Matt Barkley against the Commanders. They could have went with him against the Patriots. That could have been the decision. Though, it is possible that they didn't know that he would win against the Commanders. What am I getting at exactly? What am I getting at? The Giants possibly missing out on their next franchise quarterback. Now I get it. I'm going to get the replies from people. You know, what if, uh, you know, you select a quarterback in the second round or the third round. You know, look at all these draft picks, the top five, the top tens that haven't worked down the past few years. Why do they have to be the Giants, though? I mean, the Giants, yeah, they picked a quarterback. And they liked him only because of Eli, David Cutcliffe, the sentimental shit. That's the only reason they picked him, right? His skill set, talent, very limited. But you're looking at it this way. Again, I'm a fan, so I'm bringing this up. This is not some media podcast where they don't bring this up and they criticize the fan way. No, I'm a fan, so I'm going to talk about this because I am a fan. And you guys are fans, too. This could have possible you know, implications on missing out on the next franchise guy. And better yet, how about we twist it to your guys' side? What if this prevents us from getting a Marvin Harrison or a Malik Neighbors or, I don't know, a Joe Alt or a Fashanu? I get it. There is an unlikely universe that all four of those guys would be gone by the time we pick because the Giants aren't making any strides in that area. Um, But, you know, people say it's, it's who you draft. It's not when you draft. Right, but don't you want to have your pick of the litter? I'm not saying number one overall pick. The Giants have never done that. I don't know that they will do that within the next few years. That may be like two, three. The Giants are at five right now. If the Patriots, I believe, right, don't don't get me, uh, don't, I would say, take this with a grain of salt. If the Patriots win against the Jets, now they face Buffalo this week. Buffalo's going to be playing their asses off, so Patriots probably going to lose. But I'm pretty sure if the Patriots win against the Jets, the Giants bump down to four if they lose against the Rams. That could be a good position because you'll still be getting possibly a Jaden Daniels or whatever. But let's just say the Patriots, they are at four. They lose to the Jets. They lose to the Bills. Or it's a situation of the tiebreaker actually kicks in and the Giants have the tiebreaker over the Patriots. Then you question, okay, then we got to go select the second-round guy. We're not first-best, we're not second-best, we're not third-best quarterback, we're fourth-best quarterback. I'm just saying, I'm pointing out the fan standpoint because I feel like there's 
sides of the fan base that need to be represented. You know, obviously the non-tank people and the pro-tank people. I'm just giving a perspective because a lot of teams over the last few years, not that they should lose on purpose, but some of these meaningless wins have cost them rights to a draft pick, right? Mekhi Becton was the fourth best tackle and I think the fourth pick tackle in the draft. They could add Tristan Wirfs. They could add uh, Andrew Thomas, but they didn't lose enough. Just my opinion. But like, comment, subscribe, folks. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or video drops. Appreciate it coming back. We're going to have more content through this week. Uh, Giants content, Mets content, Yankees content, all foom and throw. Maybe we could get to 17, actually not even 17 points. Well, I should say 1.8K subscribers. Maybe we could get there. Maybe. Not saying we will, but with your help, we can. Much appreciate your support, guys. Do all the good stuff. Thank you for getting us to 1.7K, and uh, we're going to keep building it into the new year. I think the next time I talk to you guys on this podcast, we'll actually know it's actually going to be on Saturday, so we won't necessarily be in the new year yet. Uh, But more content coming out this week, guys. Appreciate y'all. Talk to you soon. (laughs) 